How does Trey Lance change how you draft 49ers this season? Did we finally get some clarity on the Patriots' backfield? And who is the forgotten man on one NFC East team's passing attack? Plus, 27-time FFPC football guys and main event league champion, uh, uh, beg your pardon, Mike Stanowski drops in to talk about Jacoby Myers prepping for his debut in the FFPC Pros vs. Joe's competition and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations, all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, as always, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, we have Football Guys Leagues filling up. We have the Best Ball Tournament filling up. We have the KFFSC Main Event filling up. And as I look at it now... Seven spots remain in the final draft of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Checkered Flag Championship uh, that is drafting Wednesday night, along with yours truly in that draft. So we'll make it our goal to try to sell that out tonight, too. Well, Balky, we can easily get that done because everyone will like a shot at the champion. And I get another opportunity to congratulate you on your fantastic play from last year. And, uh, you know, everyone loves the fact that you're there. And uh, we have a draft coming up, I believe, Sunday night that is populated by uh, Hudson Kern-Reeve and the famed uh, 26ers of the legendary dynasty uh, league in the FFPC. And so uh, our broadcasting here is uh, bringing in new players, and we're very, very grateful to have them partaking in Kentucky, as we are you, our checkered flag champion of 2020. 26er Nation truly is a nation. They are all over the place. They've invaded Vegas. They've invaded Kentucky. They're all over the place. And certainly uh, we love them here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, with the exception of maybe the unofficial mascot of the show, Tupacker. Not exactly the biggest 26er fan in the world, but I know he loves battling with them each and every year. Genesis Revelation, so on and so forth. We have a great show for everybody tonight. We're going to wax poetic on the Bills' rushing attack. We're going to tell you how we think you should be reacting to the news coming out about Travis Etienne and Jacksonville and how you draft them and your football guys draft. We'll talk to uh, uh, Mike Stanowski uh, for a little bit of his pros versus Joe strategy. 
Um, he is a first-time participant in the PBJ this year, but he's already got 27 main event FFPC Satellite Leagues and Football Guys League titles under his belt, along with a, a lot of um, sad, um, best balls, too. So I think he's going to have an advantage. Um, we're going to talk to him about how he plans to exploit that advantage over the pros when he drafts in the competition next month. Shout out to the chat room right now. We got a lot of good people in there. A lot of, a uh, lot of fan favorites, Kevin Williamson, Dave Gerzak, Hudson Kern Reeve, the aforementioned Hudson Kern Reeve in there tonight mm-hmm. as well. If you guys have any questions, post them right in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at uh, Eric Balkman. The KFFSC is at KFFSC. Farrell is at J Farrell Elliott. And Mike Stanowski is at, you guessed it, Mike Stanowski on Twitter. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash HSFFR. If you want to give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can always email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. If you do have any questions for us or for Mike, send them in now. This is your final chance. We'll try to get to as many of them as, many of them as we can coming up in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob monitoring that. Want to remind everybody as we uh, get the show going tonight, the uh, Football Guys Players Championship well underway, $500,000 for first place, $100,000 for second, only a $350 entry fee. There are two spots left in the midnight draft tonight. Uh, hopefully you can fill that, Hudson kern um, and uh, we will uh, also tell you about the inaugural best ball tourney with the uh, Fantasy Football Players Championship this year. $125 to get into that $550,000 prize pool, $100K for first place. Dynasty startup still filling up this weekend. And uh, check out the best ball drafts, including the $5 Cinco de Best Ball options. We talked about the checkered flag. Uh, seven spots left in the final draft there. Uh, but don't forget about the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event. Online, Cincinnati and Louisville, there is a spot for you. There's probably several spots for you there uh, if you want to expand your territory, as the commish likes to say. Thanks to Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. According to Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic Feral, they were using more multiple tight end sets so far this summer in minicamp OTAs. Uh, and uh, Noah Gray, who was their fifth-round rookie tight end, has actually been a standout during the team's minicamp. Travis Kelsey had nothing but good things to say as uh, Gray was lined up alongside Kelsey in the starting offense. Remember, Sammy Watkins has moved on. He is no longer a Chief, and the Chiefs didn't really focus on, on the position in the draft or in free agency. This could mean more double tight end sets when the regular season gets here as well. Mahomes dropped back to pass 96 times last season with multiple tight end sets. That was for 899 yards and nine touchdowns, no interceptions, and only took one sack. Now, Noah Gray, not a big, burly tight end, not the most athletic guy in the world, so sort of uh, he doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of, uh, of little things good. He set Duke's record for the most catches by a tight end in school history, and obviously catching passes from the latest Madden cover boy is not going to hurt him at all. I look at uh, the football guys ADP uh, over the last five days. Shout out to Darren Armani from fantasymojo.com who compiles this uh, for us. And, and I look at Noah, Noah Gray is not being selected. Now, once this news hits, I think he's going to be selected. Farrell, is this a third tight end that you'd count on or could he be more this year in Kansas city? We're going to nip this in the bud. If I was running the athletics uh, website, 
and gathering content, I think I would dock Nate Taylor a day's pay for this report and tell him to get to practice <laughs> early and find some real information. Uh, I'm familiar with this player, and I was surprised to see him drafted, but this kind of player that's Kansas City Chiefs and all their glory and all their success can take a risk on. This is a converted high school quarterback. Now, you may say that he, he broke records at, at, uh, at Duke, was the all-time leading receiving tight end. But, you know, you can call a player a tight end. If he never lines up there, I don't know if he is a tight end or not. This guy's a slot receiver. Uh, he has no functional strength to play the tight end position, no bulk, no experience playing the tight end position. He's not going to block anyone from a slot receiver or a tight end position. I don't know what this player does for the Chiefs, other than to maybe develop, he's, he's probably got good hands, which is what you would expect from a converted quarterback. But, um, no, when we're going to talk about young players with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, alert Hudson, Kern, Reeve, and everyone else. There's a player on the Kansas City Chiefs uh, ne- uh, roster. First name is Cornell. Last name is Powell. If you want a rookie on the Kansas City Chiefs, there he is. Uh, it's it's not uh, Mr. Gray. Yeah, and and I, Farrell, we are going to have you to thank when we talk about um, Noah Gray next time and see that he is still not being drafted in the Football Guys Players Championship. <laughs> I can tell you that Cornell Powell is being drafted right now, wide receiver ninety one, going at the nineteen oh nine. So clearly a flyer at the end of the draft comes from wide receiver U essentially in Clemson. He ran a four four seven at his forty, has a thirty six and a half inch vertical jump he actually um this past year caught uh 53 passes on 78 targets 880 yards which is 16.6 yards per catch and seven touchdowns that is a 74.1 receiving grade according to pro football focus and i think that again when we bring it back to kansas city what are we really talking about here we're talking about people who are around the greatness of patrick mahomes and are going to benefit from a fantasy perspective simply by being in that offense. Cornell Powell certainly is a guy to watch there, and he's definitely on high-stakes players' radars as of right now as well. Moving on to San Francisco. Matt Mayoko, who covers the team for NBC Sports, says that Trey Lance is going to be given, quote, every opportunity to rise up the team's depth chart this summer. Mike McDaniel is the 49ers offensive coordinator. He said that uh, they're getting Trey Lance ready to compete for the week one starting quarterback position. Uh, He's learning the framework of Kyle Shanahan's offense right now. He's already taken a large number of the on-field practice snaps um, through seven separate sessions in San Francisco. Say that seven times fast. Um, Trey Lance is going to be um, obviously a high pick um, among rookie quarterbacks, relatively speaking, when you talk about um, what he's capable of, even in his rookie year, if he is indeed named that week one starter, Farrell, he's going – as quarterback four, uh, beg your pardon, quarterback fourteen right now at the fourteen oh one. That is right after Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow. It's right before the glut of Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields. So my question here, and I think this is how we have to look at it, not necessarily about Trey Lance because I know I think we all know what his ceiling is. Well, maybe we don't know what his ceiling is, and that in and of itself is is a commentary on how high his ceiling could be. But when you look at Trey Lance. If he's the starting quarterback, Farrell, how does this change the fantasy values 
of Debo Samuel, of Brandon Ayuk, of George Kittle, uh, even Mostert. Uh, when, when you look at those players, those skill position guys in San Francisco, how do you adjust those players given where they're going now if Lance is indeed the starter? They'll have to do exactly what we would have to do as fantasy players, and they would have to grow along with their player and, and determine what their role is going to be in support of this player. I would uh, think that based on where he's drafted, and I've talked to our good friend Bobby Sangerman about this many times, um, Sangerman always tells me he, he wants this player in the 14th round, that it's good. It's, it's a good investment to take this player here and see what happens. And I have to agree with him. It's when you begin to target this player as your guy, because there's going to be some growing pains. Now, it, his skill level is undeniable. And he has tremendous room to improve. But across your 11, 12-week fantasy regular season, are you willing to have to, to, to go through the growing pains with him? So the other players... Uh, with what they had in San Francisco last year, Balky, a 6-10 record, uh, which, by the way, gives them a fourth-place schedule and gives them some fairly uh, easier matchups outside of division, but I digress. What you what you went through last year, all these players, they'll do better with any quarterback who plays the complete year and improves throughout the year. So I'm not concerned about the draft position of any of the other 49ers. I like where they're falling right now with the exception of Kittle. But even considering Kittle with what they'll have to ask him to do to help make Lance successful, he's still going to be a very big part of this offense. To answer your question, which I'm not sure. I've been talking so long now, I don't actually remember what it was. But I will tell you this. If you if you, if you can draft Trey Lance in the 14th round and that magic happens and you can see that growth of a player as we move throughout the season and you've got another quarterback on your roster to get your season started, you could have a, a really successful quarterback option moving through the playoffs uh, in the FFPC, which is what you want. So you've got a late-season starter. If he blooms just as much as he can, we have to remember 2020 for this ball player, he played against Central Arkansas one game. So, you know, there's a lot going on here that we have to see him. Um, we have to see him on the field and just see how quickly all of this comes back to him. But undeniable talent, and, you know, he's just really, really good. And that's about what you can say about him. Farrell, we talked with um, Alex Bellazzo last week, the uh, Spearmint Rhinos, um, about LaVisca mm-hmm. Chenault. We didn't get a chance to, to go deep into what we think about the Jacksonville sophomore here. John Shipley uh, for Sports Illustrated said that um, Daryl Bevel wants to develop Chenault as a, quote, pure receiver, pure wide receiver this offseason. Uh, Bevel is indeed the offensive coordinator for Jacksonville. Um, Chipley says that he does think the Jaguars will – um, still use Chenault as a mm-hmm. as a backfield threat, um, but not as nearly as much as what we saw last year. Now, for reference's sake, he had 18 carries for 91 yards last year, usually with direct snaps from the center. Um, he has apparently been looking awesome in the offseason practices for Jacksonville. Uh, bear in mind that Jacksonville went out and signed Marvin Jones. They still have DJ Chark there as well, but when we look at his ADP, which is what it all comes down to, 
Wide receiver 39 at the 808. That has not changed much, Farrell. It's right after Curtis Samuel and Tyler Boyd, right before Antonio Brown and Marquise Brown, the cousins going back-to-back as receivers right now in the Football Guys mm-hmm. Players Championship. Your thoughts on Chenault being developed as a receiver this year and less as a gadget player? Yeah, I like that. When you're, you're kip, as a coach, you see this guy walk in, and you look at him, he's 225, 300 pounds, and you see that the best thing about what happens in his game is after he gets the ball in his hands, how he runs with it. So naturally, you're going to try to get the ball in his hands sooner. Now, the names you mentioned, uh, Jones and DJ Chark, still there, and the ability of the new quarterback to actually throw the ball down the field and take the defenses could vote very, very well for Chenault. Because if he can get open underneath, catch the balls, and then run, and he can he can run over linebackers, he can run through tackles, you're not going to tackle this guy with the ankles. He'll make safeties that are brought in to play um, in, in some of the packages that defensive teams have now. He'll, he'll leave them in the dust. So he is a player that I think I think a lot of people draft him not necessarily understanding who he is. 58 balls last year, 10 yards per catch, five touchdowns. You know, these are Cole Beasley numbers. So if you look at the numbers, you're overpaying for it. But at the same time, it, there is potential that he could move to an 80-catch player. There's potential that he could be – um, a run-after-catch guy that is similar to some of the better running backs in the league. So, yes, Bevel has an understanding of how he wants to use players. He's an excellent offensive coordinator. Um, I haven't drafted this player much, if at all, and I think I would like to, uh, and, and I'm not ashamed to pay uh, eighth-round draft capital for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I've never, you know, the thing is, I drafted Chenault once, in, no, I beg your pardon, twice in Dynasty last year, and it was kind of begrudgingly, uh, just because I didn't mm-hmm. like the injury history, I, 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 and I just was kind of not, he took him, you know, but I wasn't excited about it. I think I've traded him in both leagues since then. So, we'll, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, 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 the, um, is the Band-Aid that can cover all sores, right? And he can also turn yeah, I agree. Um, a, a, a 6.8 player into an 8.2 player pretty quick on a scale mm-hmm. of 0 to 10 because that's the talent he has. So, I think when, when you're talking about looking to get players to outperform their draft stock, certainly Chenault has a much wider range of outcomes than a lot of the players going in that spot there, like Tyler Boyd, Antonio Brown, Curtis Samuel. Um, Chenault definitely is a player that I'll want in a few spots in my leagues this year for sure. We have Mike Stanowski, who is going to be participating in the Pros vs. Joe's competition this year, the 27-time FFPC Football Guys and Main Event League winner. Before we get to him, uh, want to talk about this Bills running back situation, Farrell. Sean McDermott says he's looking forward to having Zach Moss ready for training camp, according to Joe Biscaglia on Twitter. Zach Moss had the ankle injury last year that caused him to have surgery on it in January. He is still rehabbing as uh, mini camps are going on right now for Buffalo. He basically shared uh, touches with Devin Singletary last year among Bills running backs. He had 156 carries. Devin Singletary on 112, but Singletary was the guy catching the passes there. McDermott says he's been impressed by Singletary so far. I- I'm just kind of curious if there is any sort of clarity for you on this situation for the Buffalo Bills running backs this year. And, and just to, before you answer that, I'll tell you right now, Devin Singletary, 
running back 49 at the 11.05. Zach Moss uh, right now is going uh, at the running back 40 at the 9.08. So Moss going about two full rounds before Singletary. Who do you want to be in business with if you are forced to do business with a Bills running back? I think drafters are really overpaying for Moss, especially since he's been injured here. Zach's had a very, very hard time staying healthy. He had that problem there at Utah, and now it seems to follow into the NFL. Singletary, to me, is a guy that's improving player. 29 catches in the first year. He pushed 40 catches last year. Now we could possibly look in as much as 50. His problem is either through the air or on the ground, he can't score the ball because of all the magnificent players that they have down around the goal line and the mobility of the quarterback. But I believe that Singletary in the 11th round is about as good as you're going to get for your money with the opportunity that the job may become more his in certain matchups. So I'm, um, I think Singletary is um, – a good investment in a double-digit round, and so that's where I would go. Let's uh, let's bring in our uh, our guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen. He's been uh, patiently waiting uh, right now, and, and I want to bring him on right now. He is uh, going to be competing in the 2021 Pros versus Joes competition for the very first time in his career. He's already won nearly 30 main event football guys in FFPC Sat leagues, um, and uh, he's making his uh, debut in PVJ. Please welcome onto the show the paradox himself, Mike Stanowski. <laughs> Mike, thanks not only for, for hopping aboard. Congrats on getting your name called for the Pros versus Jones competition this year, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Falky, and, and good to be on. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. And can't tell you how excited I am for Pros versus Jones. Every year I wait for it, uh, and it finally came. So, yeah, it, the Christmas came early. There you go. Christmas buddy. did come early, and it, and it, it's coming uh, uh, much earlier for us tonight because we get to pick your brain and, and figure out how you've won all these high stakes leagues. You'll bring you bring us behind the paradox curtain, as it were, and try to figure out uh, how we can apply some of the tactics, some of your thoughts into our own leagues, and and, and try to win as much as you have. Um, before we do get into uh, fantasy football, I want to ask you um, about what you're doing for a living right now. And take as long as you need to explain this, because I think you have a very interesting um, uh, work life when you are not drafting on these teams. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the first part of it yeah, is it, pretty standard. Uh, I work for Logitech and for Blue Microphones. Uh, I, I work as the head of customer experience there. Um, so, hey, you guys need microphones, you know who to call. Um that's my day job. And then uh, I've been involved with a startup for about the last year. It's, it's really ramped up over the last few months. Um, we were doing a, a startup called Center Stage and serving uh, the trading card and the sports cards community that, um, although it's been, it has massive growth recently, um, I've always been a collector of uh, both sports cards, namely basketball on my end, uh, some more nerdy games and, and all that. Uh, so a few of us got together. We have uh, a rock star team on the technical side, and uh, we're looking to, to build something special for, uh, you know, for the card collecting space. Uh, there, there's going to be AI involved, um, some really cool stuff that uh, if any of you all are collectors, please do feel free to reach out to me. I can tell you more. 
All right. So oh, that's fantastic. I, and there, there, cert, there certainly will be people. I, I think that that would be definitely be interested in that. I'm curious as to um, a couple of things here, right up at the up at the top. This is, I believe, your fifth year playing uh, at the high stakes level, and you started off with uh, a couple of friends, John Bradeca and Matt Marcoux. I believe I'm pronouncing Matt's last name right. Um, yeah, I specifically want to ask you about Matt. Because okay, perfect. Because Matt has already played in pros versus Joe's before. I'm curious if you guys have shared any conversations about what that experience was like for him and, and any advice he gave you. Yeah, we, we have a little bit, uh, but I'm going to pick his brain a, a lot more because we're just turning to ramp up. It's been a bit of a weird year and uh, kind of with COVID ramping down and visiting family, actually getting a little bit of a late start on fantasy, but um, mm. no, I, I know he was in, yeah, I, I know he's involved. So, um, I haven't picked this brain too much yet. Um, I'm very familiar with best ball, as, as you might know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a whole different ball game when getting the pros versus Joes in some of these high-stakes leagues. Uh, they're a lot more competitive. And I think overall, my, my idea is the draft is not probably not going to fall to me. Um, so we're going to have to get a little bit crazy. And, and that's what we specialize in. So, hey, I, I'm happy to be a part of it. Now, Farrell wants what to ask you about stacking. Farrell, Farrell, I'm going to interrupt you just for real quick here. Um, I know you want to ask about stacking with, with Mike, but, Mike, just real quick, um, you have an interesting um, uh, outlook in regards to ADP. Now, ADP with the FFPC has been going on basically, I mean, this is like month six we're in, almost month seven, where the ADP has, has formulated. It's shifted, obviously, with free agency, the NFL draft and everything. Talk a little bit uh, about right up at, up at the top why you personally stay away from that information, why you don't want to know what ADP is for the first, you know, four or five months of drafting season. Right. Yeah. So, so something I'm actually trying new that, um, that I tested out last year. Um, last year, I took it to, to an extreme, and, and it was more, more of an opportunity where, again, 2020 was going to be lower volume for me. So I said, well, let, let's see kind of how this plays out. Um, I, I've noticed myself making the most mistakes when I take ADP kind of at face value and let that dictate my draft strategy or really where I value players. And what I wanted to really try this year is not quite the extreme of 2020 where I, I really ignored as, as much as possible. Um, once I do go into draft season, I don't discount it entirely. The reason I don't want to look at it initially is as I'm going through all all the rosters and um, going through the process of applying different factors and, and variables I like to look at of what do I think is going to happen and why, I want that to come first, and then I want ADP to come second and to look at it. Because once I see the board, um, it, it's really it, – I can't unsee it, right? So I want to look <laughs> at it with, with, with virgin eyes, for, for lack of a better term, um, and go into the first draft like, whoa, okay, this is way different. Um, I will say I, I cheated a little bit today, uh, I, but, yeah, that, that's the, the overall premise. that I want to be able to go in um, really dictating what my idea is and then adapting for, from there and seeing where the market really differs from what my initial idea was. And you said you cheated a little bit today? I did a little bit. Uh, in, a little bit? <laughs> for, for, well, you're yeah, entitled for, for because show. as a lifelong writer fan, I will tell you, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So that, that's been their mantra for, 
for for years, and, and I, I love this. You know, the the fact that that you're walking away from from ADP. I've I've given the quote to Tupacker or Ron Meyer for so long. Uh, average draft position means average fantasy football team, and I, and I love it. And I preach to everyone: go get your guys. Believe in what you see happening, not how you see the board. And, you know, you don't want to overpay for anything. I have guys that I'm standing to, uh, next to in Las Vegas, and they say, I don't care about ADP. I said, okay, well, then quit looking at this board. Why are you standing in front of this board? <laughs> you know, let's, let's go somewhere else. But, you know, I, I just have, have been uh, – I love hearing that, and that's what I, I think it gives a, a much more enjoyable drafting experience when you are drafting uh, a clear of head and uh, have, have the guys, that, that, the talent that you see. And, you know, that could lead to uh, – that could lead to, to a little bit of overpaying, but hey, if they deliver in the points, uh, no no one's going to look back and, and see where you drafted the player that delivered you a championship. I I'm, I've drafted a lot this year, and more so than I ever dreamed that I would get the opportunity through with the FFPC slow drafts, and, and it, it has been a blast. And, and guys, there was a time in my life that I look back fondly on where stacked had nothing to do with fantasy football, provided some sort of stimulation, but had absolutely nothing to do with fantasy (laughs) football. Now we get into a situation where it seems that uh, stacking players from the same roster is, is a big, big strategy. It's not a huge strategy for me. Sometimes I see it falling to me, and I go ahead and take advantage of it. Can you talk to me about how you use that strategy? Is it something you embrace? And do you do it with more than one team in a 20-round draft? I know you do it in your best balls, but will you do it in the uh, FFPC main event as well? Yeah, but that's a great question, and, and I appreciate the distinction because that's some, something I was going to talk about is uh, FFPC versus best ball. Um, I know this is becoming more and more popular, um, and I really last year was the year I noticed a lot more people – uh, doing stacks, and I, I would say I, I'd answer with it depends. Um, and, and I'll give you guys a little food for thought as well, I think, after I answer. So um, to break it down, I look at my fantasy teams in two different layers, right? So kind of going into, like, stocks and equities and all that, you think of, like, a portfolio, right? And you have a portfolio of different teams, um, and I do want some representation of stacks within that portfolio. Then individual teams are also portfolios of players, right? So that also has to make sense. Um, and, and for me, what, what I come down to is if I'm doing a massive stack, which I have done, there are a couple of things that we all want to consider. And one of those is keep in mind it's a weekly game, right? So that stack might work great one week, might not work great another week. If you're in season long, there's more of an opportunity cost to that versus best ball. And the reason is this. Consider a team has, I guess, like an expectation of a certain number of points it's going to score, right, among skill position players. So if you have, you have a handful of receivers, you have running backs, QBs, and there's some crossover there, but the skill position guys, they're going to score on their own, and they're going to take away from other guys. So – you're inherently limiting your ceiling. If you go too heavy, 
there's a chance you're limiting your, your ceiling. And if you're relying on that strategy week to week in, in a season-long league where you have to set your lineup, that's going to put you in some tricky spots, not to mention the buy. Um, I, I'm not saying not to do it. There's definitely a place for it. But if you're only doing a handful of teams, I wouldn't go out of my way to do a stack. Now, in best ball, if, if it starts lining up, that's when, when we start pulling the trigger. And, again, it has to make sense from a roster construction standpoint. Talking to Mike Stanowski, the uh, pros versus Joe's drafter in 2021. You can listen to him draft his team live on this show coming up next month when we get those drafts underway. Two hour shows. We'll have uh, all six of the live drafts covered on this, uh, on this program. But as long as we have Mike here on the program tonight, I want to pick his brain on a bunch of stuff, including the New England Patriots running back situation. Now, over the last decade plus, it's usually been a fool's errand trying to figure out who the quote-unquote guy is going to be in that backfield. But are we getting some clarity on it this year? Could Damian Harris be the guy that you want to target right now? What, what are your thoughts on him becoming that, you know, that, that every-down guy, the guy to own in the Patriots' backfield, Mike? Yeah, so the, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right, Balti? <laughs> with the Patriots. <laughs> right. Um, so... So, yeah, with with Belichick, I feel like Belichick, and, and I've always kind of had this joke with, with Bill Belichick where it feels like he, he goes to, like, a backyard barbecue, and he sees some guys playing nurse football, right, and, and he sees a guy break a couple tackles, and two weeks later they're in a four-man rotation uh, with, on the New England Patriots. So, <laughs> consider, <laughs> considering – Considering the history, it's really it's hard to accept it. Um, I would say at the right price, I'm okay with it. But there's no way until I see it, there's no way I'm going to believe it. I tell you something that you really can believe is uh, in the Dallas Cowboys from 2020 before Dak went down with an injury. I. Uh, I rolled across NFL Network and being broadcast was the replay of the game from September 27th against Seattle. And I said, I'm going to watch a few minutes with this. And a few minutes uh, became two and a half quarters because that was the game where Prescott threw the ball 57 times. Uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott could not get going. Of those 57 attempts, he completed 37 of them. He pushed 500 yards for that game. It was a very well-played defensive game by Seattle, but Prescott found a way to move and consequently score the ball. They took away Cooper. Lamb was a little limited, but showed great, great promise of what he and Prescott could accomplish. And then Gallup had the biggest game, his biggest single game for the year. So, you know, two weeks later, Dallas and, and the Giants are playing, and we lose Prescott for the year, and all this became quickly forgotten. But it was very interesting looking back on it. And and as we get prepared for this year's draft, all of these players I find very enticing. You know, when you talk about a – we go back to our previous conversation about a stack, you know, that Dallas Cowboys would be a perfect team to stack because they've just got so much offense. Two, you know, I think the final of that game was 38-31. Even even this offense could not keep up with that – the Dallas defense and, and lock it and 
Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf running back for touchdowns. So my point is this. Am I right to say they're going to take up where they left off in 2020? And do we expect 30-point games and 400-yard passing games from Prescott to be the norm uh, this coming year? Yeah, I was I was super high on Dallas last year. Um, I did own plenty of shares of, of Dak, um, and yeah, it was, it was really sad what happened to him. You know, of course, fantasy being fantasy, just on a personal level, just seeing that was was horrible because he was having a phenomenal year and, and carrying that team. Um, in terms of this year, um, I do think they can pick up where they left off. I, I do think there there are a couple question marks this year that that I have that. Um, that, that I want to see clear that, um, again, depends on the pricing and depends how those player uh, ADPs kind of change. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that offense is, is lethal. And it, it's TBD, though, because, again, offensive line, we're, we're going to have to see how, how that comes together, how healthy they are. Um, I think the improvement of the defense can impact it a little bit as well. And then just seeing how Dak's moving around. Those, those three things are, are the factors I'm going to be looking for to see where I kind of gauge last year versus this year. But in terms of potency, if they clear all the hurdles, yeah, I mean, that, that could be a, a top offense in, in the league. Mike, the uh, Wasp guy himself, Hudson Kern-Reeve, has a question from the chat room. He wants to know your thoughts on, on how the value for both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon would or would not change if Aaron Rodgers does not play for the Packers this year? Yeah, I, I do think it impacts it, and, and it impacts the Packers across the board. Um, Rodgers has, has been this, this QB that, at least over the last few years, he himself has not always been um, at the top tier QB, but he's really um, enhanced that offense around him and created, created scoring opportunities much more so than, than what I think Jordan Love can, um, or really any replacement QB uh, can for Rodgers. So, um, yeah, if, if Rodgers is out, again, I, I wouldn't completely pull the plug on the Packers' offense. Um, just that coaching staff, the, the way they're built, uh, and, and what they want to do, I, I still think it will be there. But naturally, scoring chances are, are can, can be expected to come down with Rodgers out of town, though. Um, let, let's move on and, and talk about the uh, switch conferences. We're going to talk Miami Dolphins. Uh, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell, without revealing their ADP to you, know, you know, not knowing where they're going, which one are you more likely to, to select this season once, um, you know, pros versus Joes gets going? <coughs> Excuse me. And we get closer and closer to the start of the season, uh, Mike, between Parker, Waddell, and Will Fuller for Miami. Yeah, so, so ADP will play into it, of course. But um, out of those three names, the, the one I crossed off the list right away, and, and I, it's so painful because I loved Will Fuller for so long. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't see the dynamic there um, for, for him to really exceed. Um, if the price is right, maybe. But I, I cross him off the list. I think initially – and this is going to feel really weird to say with the history of Devontae Parker, but out of those three, I think right now I, I would pick Parker. Um, but I will be on the lookout, and, and part of the reason um, I love seeing Camp um, get started, I, I will want to see the connection between Tua and, and Jalen Waddell. 
because um, my entry could flip really quick um, if, if they have good chemistry there. I like what you're doing there, Mike. You know, uh, we can always get behind Parker here in Louisville, Kentucky, a uh, product of Ballard High School right down the street from where I'm sitting in University of Louisville, so we like that answer. So stay with Parker, and he'll, uh, he'll deliver for you. It's hard to imagine the Dolphins with this great group of wide receivers, and we stay in the same division, and we move up the coast, and we end up in New England, and look at what they've got at wide receivers. And I apologize for having to ask you the second New England Patriot question, but I'm going to ask you. And it's, it's somewhat ludicrous because, I, you know, and I don't want to steal your thunder when I begin to talk about this player, but I would like to know your thoughts of wide receiver 1708 over the last five days of the Football Guys Championship. Wide receiver 73, Jacoby Myers. What can you tell us about Jacoby Myers and our FFPC players, uh, drafters? Are they correct in passing on him until the 17th round? Yeah, when, when I saw that, I, I thought it was pretty crazy um, just from the get-go. Now, if, if I unpack that a little bit, and I have been, of course, looking at rosters, and um, if, if Cam's the starter there, I think that's too low, um, no matter what. Now, how much of the lack of targets last year or the lack of alternative options last year led to the target share for, for Jacoby? Um, him and Cam seem to have a bit of a connection. That's, that's undeniable, I, I think, in my mind. Um, one thing to factor in, though, is Belichick's got two tight ends again that they could throw to. So um, that, that is something to consider. Um, at that price, though, again, I think that risk is, is priced in, and it does come down to roster construction a bit. Is Myers going to be someone that is going to elevate your roster like an FFPC to, to league winner? Probably not with, with the way that they're built, um, but he will be a guy that will fill in and give you solid floor weeks if we see the continuation of the trend last year and also bake in some of the uh, some of the regression and targets going to to some of the other players, especially the tight ends. Uh, we're talking with Mike Stanowski here um, from uh, the 2021 Pros versus Joes Joes class, winner of 27 FFPC main event football guys leagues over the course of his high stakes career dating back uh, over the last four years. Congratulations on on being selected once again. Uh, Mike, you've already won numerous best ball leagues over the years. Can you kind of share a little bit of the strategy um, that I know you've already shared some of it, especially when you're talking about stacking, but can you share some of the strategy when you're going to try to win a free main event team for next year in a slim draft format made up of five other FFPC Joes and six industry pros that may or may not be familiar with this type of league? Yeah, it's uh it, it's going to be a crazy experience, I, I'll tell you that. Um, it, it'll depend on, on the draft slot a bit. Out of certain slots, I feel like the, the draft can kind of fall to me and, and I, I could fall into a, a strategy um, that, that I prefer um, in strategy, I, I mean roster construction. Um, but given the dynamics and, and given we do have pros in, in this and really you know, a, a bunch of really good players, I expect, it may it may be 
primed for something crazy, right? If if the draft really does not start falling to me, I'm going to revert to really to my guys, and I might go with a, a pretty crazy strategy, um, it, and it, especially in terms of roster construction. I, I think that's one thing that um, I've been willing to push the boundary of in, in best ball traditionally is not being afraid to maybe go a little bit outside of uh, outside of the norm for, for roster construction. Of course, generally speaking, yeah, like your best chances are going to be within a certain kind of framework. But, again, it, it really depends. <laughs> it depends on a lot. I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go in there once I know the draft slot. I'm going to have kind of a game plan. But I'm also going to know it's probably going to get crazy and – at the end of the day, I think my goal is to, to have Darren to odds makers put, put me as, as one of the bottom or the top. I, I really don't want to be anywhere in the middle. <laughs> Wherever you are, bottom, top, middle, let me ask you something. We, we, and we continue to talk about the Jacksonville team on, on every show that we've had. And, and I think Balky agrees with me. The more we talk about them, the more we kind of start to really like them. But, uh, you know, everybody likes the rookie running back at the end. How often are you going to be targeting this player? Uh, is he a player that you see special value to? Do you have an idea how he's going to be used? Or does it even matter? Do you like the way his physicality, his speed – his draft position in the NFL, are you ready to go in business with Travis and stay in business uh, with him in this 2021 season? Yeah, so, so this is one I did cheat on and, and checked ADP on. Um, I, I do like him where he's going. I, I will say that there's actually a variable here that, that kind of plays in that isn't even related to him, and, and it kind of affects running backs in, in that kind of range he's in. And that's whether or not I agree with the ADP of the wide receivers above them, right? So really like that 3 to 12, 3 to 16 range. Um, if I think the market's way off on the, on the receivers, um, I will probably be more apt to go running back early and probably end up with less shares than I'd like of, of Etienne. But it, a, a player at his ADP right there and, and with the potential upside, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I think there's value there. Um, yeah, uh, and I don't know what point he would have to get to for me to really not consider him. So he, he's in a good spot right now. Let's go to a couple of emails that we got from listeners, uh, Mike. The first one is from Drew in Salt Lake City. He says, uh, what's up, Mike? How should FFPC drafters handle Houston Texans in their drafts with so much cloudiness at the quarterback situation? Uh, that is Drew in Salt Lake City. Drew, thanks for listening. Thanks for the email. Mike, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on the Texans. They, they got some players down there that are being drafted fairly high in the FFPC, and David Johnson and Brandon Cooks. Um, but we don't know exactly who the quarterback's going to be. Tyrod Taylor, Deshaun Watson, somebody else, I don't know. But how would you advise drafters to, to handle those players in Houston right now, given the unknowns uh, of that offense? Yeah, the, this is one team that when I initially took a look at, um, the, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of unknowns on this team, but unknowns also breed opportunity. Um, I, I'm at the point right now, I, I don't think I'd overpay, especially with the with the receiving core. Um, I, I think that QB situation can really swing which, uh, which receivers really succeed. 
Um, I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, and, and since we're talking about Houston, I'll talk about Kiki Cutie a little bit. Um, he, he's on he's on my list for for deep sleepers, really more for best ball, but maybe like 20th round of a draft or, or something like that. I don't know where he's going exactly right now. Um, yeah, I, I do expect there will be some success there, but right now, as it stands, it's going to be pretty hard to pin down. Um, I also see Philip Lindsay on that list, and you know that running back for again Ingram's a little bit older. Um, David Johnson hasn't been able to stay healthy, so I, I do think there, there's some opportunity there, but um, I, I don't know how high I'm, I'm willing to go right now on Houston, given the unknowns. Um, and, and really, if for example, if Watson is announced as the starter, is that going to catapult these players up all of a sudden? I'm not really sure. So I, I'm not really in a rush to draft these players because I don't really expect too much movement um, with the exception of potentially camp and, and starting to see um, some of these players, like I mentioned, maybe Cutie or, or Lindsay moving up the board. Those are really the two I'm most concerned about. Mike, one more email from the, from the listeners. Um, this is, I, I think you're, you kind of already answered it. I'm just going to read it anyway, because it's, it's just a piggyback on what you're already saying. Is Philip Lindsay being undervalued right now? I seem to be getting him everywhere. Thank you, Tony, in Columbus, Ohio. And for, mm-hmm. you know, just for the sake of the listeners here, Philip Lindsay right now going as running back 51 at the 1301. We heard several reports coming out of Houston that he could end up being the starter over David Johnson. And I understand that the Texans' offense isn't exactly sexy, but to get a starting running back in the 13th round, if that is indeed who he ends up being, would certainly be a big boon for your running back depth. Um, Philip Lindsay, 13th round, does that seem vote right to you, or is that too late? Yeah, it, it does, and it, it may be a little late. I, I hate to say that because it, it'll <laughs> it, it'll hurt hurt me a little bit too. But um, no, th- this is. It, this is about the time to be buying, I think, if, if you are going to buy. And, and, and it's an advantage of drafting early, too, because um, it, if you look at, like, where the volatility is going to be in that team, you can consider Lindsay maybe moving down a couple of rounds. Maybe. I, I don't even see that happening. The opportunity for him is, is really going to be upward, um, unless he gets injured or something like that. So, um, yeah, great question. And, again, read my mind as, as I was talking about it, too. Yeah, I, I like that spot for Lindsay. Mike, you know, I wouldn't do this show if I didn't get to ask this question every week. So I, it, this this thrills me, and I think you are probably going to give us one of the most valuable answers that Balky and I have heard to this question because I think you can find – even with Jacoby Myers, I think you can find something positive to say about almost any player. So I'm going to ask you to turn on one player, to turn your back on one player in the league that you will avoid at any cost. Um, And then I'm very interested in hearing uh, your sleeper. I'm hoping it's a rookie, but I'm I'm really – I really think your sleeper will be well thought out and uh, hopefully aligns with some of mine. So there you go. Somebody you just can't stand and that sleeper that you're dying to roster. Uh, it's, it's a tough one this year. I've stopped um, in bulky. I like it. Fantastic. 
Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. So I, I'll tell you my initial gut reaction to hearing where some of the tight ends were going, and in particular Kyle Pitts. And I know this is going to be a very unpo- – it might be a very unpopular opinion. Um, I don't – I don't see early third round for him. I, I don't see, like, late second, early third for him, even late third with, with some of the players going behind him um, and, and some of the opportunity for more established guys. Um, again, I, I love the player, uh, but, again, rookie tight end that high, it feels like all of the, the potential upside is already priced in there. Um, so, again, I, that was my initial gut reaction of all the players I looked at. Like man, that that is an extremely steep price to pay for for Pitts. And that sleeper. any sleepers that you're that you're targeting too, Mike? I know you you mentioned yeah, so, Lindsay, but is there anybody else? Yeah, so so Lindsay, um, Lindsay is one. Um, but there may be a guy that that isn't talked about too much, and I, I might hate giving this name up, honestly, but uh, I'll give it to you guys uh, for, for, for having me on. And, and that's going to be Quintess Cephas. Um, yes. I like the fit there. I like the fit there. There's an opportunity. Um, if you look at Goff's history, who he likes to throw to, you look at, you look at Cooper Cup. Again, it's going to be a different offense, right? But um, yeah, I, I do think there's there's an opportunity there. The, the coaching staff kind, kind of coincides with it. So, um, yeah, I, I did actually look that one up specifically for you again. I, I think he's going around the 18th right now. Uh, so he, he is being drafted in, in FSPC leagues. But, yeah, that could be one that, again, I, I don't know if I, I'd expect him to really um, – be a league winner that, that might be within his range of outcomes, but he's going to be a guy like um, that can slot in your lineup, right? If, if you're having some some trouble mid-season, early season, and all of a sudden you find, hey, Cephas is getting six to eight targets a game, right? And and he could provide you a solid floor. I, I expect him to be that kind of player. Um, there's the off chance that, that that goes higher. Of course, Hawkinson being there is, is going to be a wild card, but I think there's enough there for, for Cephas to uh, – to, to eat a bit and, and to be a good solid for a guy when you need him. Thank you, Mike. I think hey, that's I the have... first thesis question. That's the first thesis commentary that we've had, Balky. Am I right? <laughs> I don't remember one. I, that's very yeah, good. no, we haven't unless I unless I brought him up because I I have him in a bunch of my dynasties. I, I've been taking him at the end of some best ball leagues too because I do like. Well, I mean, he's a Wisconsin Badger, so obviously I got to see this guy play. Um, you, you know, quite a bit following his career uh, for Wisconsin. And, and I just look at the guys ahead of him. I mean, Perriman, I guess, the, the reports on him haven't been very good. Tyrell Williams is on the, in the training room as much as he's on the field. Um, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, who I know it's very exciting to talk him up, but I know there's plenty of smart people I've talked to that aren't necessarily very high on him this year either. So I think the opportunity is definitely there for Cephas and and part and part and parcel, it goes with the ADP, right? I mean, 18th round, whatever, you might as well. That makes a lot of sense there. So I'm a fan of, of that pick. I'm a fan of Mike Stanowski, ladies and gentlemen, who sure. is going to be competing in pros versus Joe's next month. Um, Mike, we would love to, if you are drafting live, when, when you do do your draft, we'd love to have you call back in and maybe make a pick on the air. Tell us a little bit how the draft is going. Um, because uh, after hearing from you tonight, I feel like we, we got some insight in how you like to build these teams and, 
um, the players that you like to utilize when you do it. So we certainly appreciate that. We will all follow you on Twitter at Mike Stanowski and uh, say hi to Bill Murray for us as well. All right. <laughs> well, We'll do, guys. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and absolutely, I'll, I'll call in. And um, yeah, you guys have a good rest of your night. Thanks for continuing to run, to run the show. I, I enjoy your guys' content, so keep it rolling. Thank you, Thanks, Mike. We Mike. definitely will. The paradox, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Stanowski drafting in pros versus Joe's uh, this upcoming July. So a lot of good, we've been having a string of well, not that we've ever had really bad guests on Farrell, but we've been having yeah. a, a string of really thought provoking guests uh, over the last month or so. And and Mike Stanowski was uh, not dissimilar from that ilk. Um, I think it's interesting that he does not pay attention to ADP until he really gets heavily involved in the, the draft. You know, the sort of the second half of drafting season. Um, mm-hmm. And then he said something too. The you know, we're talking about the Texans, and he, and he, you know, he said there's a lot of unknowns there, obviously. But he said unknowns breed opportunity. And, and sometimes yep. I think in, in fantasy it's easy for us to write off a team because if we don't understand it or we're not sure how they're, it's going to work, it's so easy for us to, to stay away from it. But sometimes instead of running away from a situation, it pays to, you know, on a cost-benefit ratio, it pays to be running towards it. And I think um, certainly there's some Texans that might be worth running towards given their current ADPs right now. Yeah, that's who you want to watch in the preseason. That's who you want to understand. We talked about the beat writer, McLean, who has a better understanding of his team that he covers than any other beat writer in, in all of uh, in, in all of football writing. And I, I you know, I, if I thought – that uh, Mike was only going to draft one team, I would I would go to the bar with him and I would say, look, i got to talk you out of Jacoby Myers. But, you know, he's going to figure that one out on his <laughs> own. I think it, it is amazing that Jacoby Myers is being drafted at, at, at 17.8, and I can call that a travesty of overpay. You know, this this is a guy that uh, probably should stick at the back end of the roster. And, and, and just like us, Balky, He's on the Patriots and contributing to the Patriots because no one else was available. And I mean, it's, uh, but, but, you know, there's a player that, that I can't see any utility for, but maybe Mike can. And I think I'm right about this player. And I think there's better players out there. And that's what he did by naming Cephas, who is a fantastically interesting player. And, you know, we had a, uh, we, we had a guest on, and uh, previously and made the statement, Jacksonville is going to be a terrible football team. As you say, run towards opportunity. I don't think they are. And I think they're going to be far from anything terrible when it comes to fantasy football because they've got too many players that can score the ball and move the ball. So I think Jacksonville, I think Houston, uh, these teams, uh, Detroit, a lot of question marks, and we'll see, but you don't have to pay for it. But in New England, it's, it's tried and true, and it did not work last year, and I don't think that's going to work this year. Um, I'll tell you what, what I hope works this year is repeating yeah. for me in the checkered flag competition Ooh, with yes. the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. And, Farrell, I think I got my good luck charm today for the checkered flag. Now, the checkered flag competition at KFFSC inspired by the Indy 500, is it not? Yes, sir, it is. 
So today on my local Northeast Wisconsin radio show, the show with Leo and Balky, weekdays 2 to 3 on 95.3 and 99.1 FM, The Score. You can listen live at those frequencies or download the Score mobile app for free in the App Store or Google Play or listen to the stream at thescorew.com. Today, I got a chance to interview two-time Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato. And I I didn't bring up the checkered flag competition. Yes, I did. I did not bring up the checkered flag competition with him. But as I'm talking to him about this, I'm kind of like, you know, this is a good omen um, that, that yes, I'm talking sir, to one of the 20 people who one of the 20 people who walked planet Earth that have won the Indy 500 more than once. And here I am on the eve of drafting a checkered flag team uh, this coming Wednesday. And I'm talking to, to, to Kuma Sato. So that was pretty awesome. I feel like um, this could be my year again. If you feel it isn't, then I encourage you to uh, run, don't walk, and to KFFSC.com, register for that last checkered flag um, uh, league uh, that is drafting Wednesday, June 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, if that does fill, don't forget about the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event. Draft online, draft live in Cincinnati, draft live in Louisville. Spots open there as well. Farrell, I uh, can't thank you enough for coming on board tonight. Um, I can't wait to... Uh, to uh, welcome in uh, a bunch of the HSFFR listeners to the KFFSC this year as well. Going to be an exciting, fun year after what we went through in 2020. It's going to be a it's going to be a great fantasy football year this year. 2020 got us ready, and we're going to have a wonderful year in 2021, Balky. And you're exactly right. And after we finish here, we'll head to the FFPC in Vegas along with numerous of our Kentucky players to compete there for that half million dollars. I can't wait for these weekends to get here. Oh, my goodness, i got a lot of work going on there. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you do that work right now. We'll reconvene next Friday at 10-9 Central. Sound good to you? I'll see you then, buddy. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. You follow him on Twitter at Elliott. The Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship is at KFFSC.com and at KFFSC on Twitter. Um, good stuff from Farrell there. Always appreciate his insight. Good stuff from Mike Stanowski. And I want to thank both those guys for uh, popping onto the show tonight once again. Um, I want to thank FFPC, Rob, Bryce, of course, each and every one of you for hanging out in the chat room tonight, uh, streaming this around the world where I, whenever you're listening to it. Uh, thanks so much for doing that. I certainly appreciate it, uh, as does Farrell. Next Friday, we will be back at 10-9 Central, another 2021 Pros versus Joes drafter. It's uh, Jay Harding, who has won five Football Guys League championships, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at You Don't Win on D Day. So uh, Jay Harding will be on the show next week. Cannot wait to talk to him about Pros versus Joes and how his drafts have been going this season as well. Uh, register for the inaugural best ball tournament with the FFPC today. Register for the Football Guys Players Championship. I noticed that midnight draft is filled. Uh, we will uh, reconvene with Football Guys Draft tomorrow at 1 p.m. Just to hop in those. It's going to be a fun little Saturday. Happy uh, Father's Day uh, to all the fathers out there, including my own father, uh, who listens to the show, I believe. We'll find out <laughs> tomorrow when I talk to him. Don't forget about the uh, Football Guys Early Bird expiring in 12 days. Happy this Father's has been Day, another episode of the time. High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.
Uh, as a reminder, too, um, the um, uh, Football Guys Players Championship, I, I know I talk about that early bird a lot. I don't think I talked about it too much in depth tonight. But remember, if you register a team in the FPC before the end of the month and then you draft it before July 15th, you automatically get a free $35 FFPC team credit into your account, um, which you can use on a best ball, a best ball slim, what have you. Um, and you can do that up to three times. So essentially, it's it's like $100 in free FFPC credits. It's well worth it, especially if you're a volume drafter. Make sure you're getting in early, taking advantage of the value that's out there. Remember what Mike Stanowski says, unknowns breed opportunity, and there's plenty of opportunity out there right now to win a half million bucks. Happy Dad's Day. We'll talk to you again next Friday with Jay Harding. Thanks for listening, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.